Thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of our show. Between the Sheets airs live at twitch.tv slash critical role at 7 p.m. Pacific on Monday nights, then is uploaded to our YouTube at youtube.com slash critical role on Wednesdays. Subscribers to our Twitch channel get early access to the VODs, emotes, and more. Enjoy today's conversation with the wonderful Quien Tran. Quien Tran is a creative force of nature. She's a widely sought after cinematographer for film, TV, and commercials, a mentor to industry newcomers, and a full-time wife and mother. We talk about her dream to be a CIA agent, how 9-11 drastically changed the trajectory of her life and career, and a little bit about her husband, Sam. She's an incredible storyteller and an articulate, wonderful person. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Quien today on Between the Sheets. This is Sam Regal. Did you change your name legally? Hell no. You didn't at all? No. Quian Tran. Not even for nope. like... No. Okay. Why, why do you keep asking me? Well, I just... Because you want Ashley to change her name? No, I, I'm going to change my name to Mr. Ashley Johnson. You better. I'm taking her first and last She's name. She's way more famous than you. I could do Brian Foster Wallace Johnson. Where's the Wallace come from? Oh, from, that's your uh, middle David name? David Foster Wallace. No, my middle name's oh. Wayne. Well, the one I use now. Oh, really? <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Quian Tran. Not Quian Tran Regal, not Quian Regal Tran. No. Regal Tran sounds like a type of disease, like a blood disease. She came down with Regal Tran and I never saw her again. <laughs> Foster Johnson. Foster that Johnson. That just sounds like. Foster Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, something dirty or clean. <laughs> like a Either soap, side of the a spectrum. Soap product, yeah. Well, we had, that's how we, Ashley and I are though. How is it? Dirty and clean? Dirty and clean. Very nice. This is lovely. This is a sherry cobbler. It's beautiful. So this is sherry and some homemade uh, cinnamon simple syrup mm-hmm. and some orange and it's really refreshing. It's it's not too lovely. Strong. It's not too sweet. Mm-hmm. And you would think from cobbler it might be a little bit more hearty, but it's not. It's very light and refreshing. I think the acidity of the orange really brightens it up and the green Mm-hmm. Contrast nice, nicely with the orange. The mint. It's very beautiful. It's nicely backlit right now. You can see the condensation. It's beautiful. I could listen to you talk about drinks or food all day. <laughs> and maybe we should just do that. Let's but talk that, about our you favorite food. You would be taking over Sam oh. Regal's role because that's all I do is talk about food. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. I'm going to take over his role on the other show eventually, too. So once, he, once he becomes an EGOT, he's telling all of us he's going to leave. He says, What show is that? Critical Role. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've heard of it reference in passing. (laughs) (laughs) They did an episode at a rage room where they smashed pictures of me. Of you? Yeah. Why are they so mad at you? I've been asking that too. Liam is not. When I see Liam, there's a lot of uh, intimacy. There's a lot of uh, affection. Um, Romance. We have deep conversations. It's just sort of how things go if you know Liam. With Sam, it's very cold. It's very distant. It's um, he doesn't like being touched. He's big about his eye line. You ever work with actors that complain about the eye line? Um. <laughs> you don't have to say who. Yeah, of course. That's what I do for a living. Is it a big? Does that happen a lot? Is it a big thing? Because I yes. There's some stuff that I can yes. see. 
if I'm acting with you and mm -hmm. I have to do a big emotional thing, you mm -hmm. know, like sometimes one of the camera guys who's right here will scratch their balls while I'm talking to you. And I see that. And I try not to let it throw me off, you know, but I also don't want to tell them, you can't scratch your balls on my show, man. Cause like, if it itches, it itches. But if I have to act out some crazy emotional thing and then there's some guy back there or whatever and he's picking his nose, like I can understand that. Yeah. But I've also been on sets where people are just kind of like looking down and they're screaming like, get out of my fucking eye line and shit like that. Yes. No, I think there's a way to approach it. I think if, it, if you say it once or if you have a good producer on set, they'll make an announcement. Mm. Hey, you know, out of respect for the actors, let's try not to be on our phones within the actors' eye lines. If you need to take a call, please step outside. But just try to, you know, be respectful. I think that's complete. It's it's necessary. Yeah. It's professional. Right. And that's how the protocol should be on set. Mm. Uh, if a cameraman is working at a high level of of television or feature work, he or she, I said cameraman, didn't I? Oh my goodness. I understand. Camera person. A camera person. It's only been a hundred years of calling them camera. Cam right? Yes. Uh, a camera person operator is is operating. They should know to to not be distracting. Right. Because the camera person and the camera is the closest thing to an actor. Right. It's the closest relationship. And that's actually why I become really close friends with actors on set. Because I am right there. Mm. You know, oftentimes right here. Yeah. Filming the actor. And if I'm handheld, I'm like, it's sometimes like, you know, brushing up against like other up actors. Against, and yeah. Really, really close. It de depending on the scene. So I think it's, it's part of protocol and it's okay. I, I don't think it's okay for an actor to scream out, Hey! You! Yeah. Get out of my eye line. And that's happened before on set. One time my gaffer was there holding like a, a, a board just because he had to be there. It was a very small movie and we were shooting with candles mm. <laughs> um, and no one else could do it, right? So he was there, but he had, he had his eyes like this and the actor was here and, and the actor said, what's your name? He said, well, I'm the gaffer. I'm trying to, can you leave? And I was like, well, I need to have someone hold this. So let me take a minute. Let me get a C-scan in. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I was like, uh, Ugh. diva. Did you but... kick one of the candles at his robe or whatever <laughs> and see if they would go I up in flames? I burned the place down. It was a 14th century <laughs> castle. Worth but... it. Worth it. Do you feel like you get close to actors because you're so close to them? Or is it important to you to to get them comfortable with you because you're going to be in that space. Does that make sense? Like Both. I think the proximity of being there as well as the intimate connection that I have to uh, have that relationship in order to get the best performance possible. I think as a director of photography, you're there to aid the director's vision, mm. to help the director achieve his or her vision um, through not just visuals and lighting, but storytelling. And I really pride myself on understanding the full script, the full narrative. Because if I didn't, how could I elevate the project? The material. Exactly. So when I'm here and the director is giving a note, um, I will listen and then I'll say, hey, is it okay if at that moment I push in? Mm. And the director will be, yes, absolutely, do whatever you have to do. And so I'll say to the actor just to warn them, heads up, at this moment, I'm going to just get a little closer. Sometimes I won't say that because it's... Like if we're shooting verite or right. the actor understands the camera movement and philosophy, yeah, I don't need to tell them everything I'm doing, but a lot of times I will, I will let the actor know, hey, by the way, we're starting here on a cowboy, and then I'm going to push in into a medium, 
And then after that, we're going to do one more setup where we're going to be on a close-up. And I think a lot of television actors especially appreciate that knowledge mm. so that they can either prepare for that or right. save or, or you know, make sure that their eyeline is there. Yeah. A lot of actors are very technical, and I, I appreciate that. So I've had actors who are more technical than others, actors who are more difficult than others, and won't come in for, like, uh, we'll have first team and a second team. So the second team will come in, and they'll stand in, and they'll do all the blocking. But mm. it's never the same. Mm. So when first team steps in, if I have to do a lighting tweak, I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, I don't want to take time on set because we have first team on set, and I want to be as respectful as possible to the process, especially if it is a very, you know, intense, intimate scene yeah. where the actor's raring to go. Like yeah. They're in the trailer, and they come out, and they expect to shoot, but I'm like, oh, gosh, I didn't know you were going to do a wardrobe change, and you're wearing this bright red, and the stand-in was wearing black, and I'm... Uh, oh, right. Yeah, you know, all the things like, that there's to a lot of, on yeah, the fly. Lighting. Yeah, so. Yeah, I've been with you when you've had stacks of scripts and you're working through stuff. What's that process like for you when you're when you when you first get a script? You know, what's the main thing you want to do? Mm -hmm. Just understand the story or are you already like, okay, I can visualize, you know, how I want to shoot this? Well, if I say yes to a project, it's because I really connect to the material. Mm -hmm. So, I'll sit down with the director and we'll talk about all the scenes and and what I do is I go I asked the director, even though I might understand myself, I want to hear it from the director. Mm. Why does this scene exist? How does it further the narrative? How do we get to the next level? Mm -hmm. And so everything that happens in the script happens for a reason. Right. And I think my biggest pet peeve on set is when someone will say, oh, it doesn't matter. Well, like, why are we shooting it then? Like, everything matters. Yeah. An insert matters. Everything matters. Everything furthers that narrative one more step of the way. What do you do when the director doesn't have a clear vision of why it matters or if you disagree with it? You know what I mean? Because sure. you both have to work yeah. in such, mm -hmm. you know, synchronicity yeah. um, for the whole thing to work. Obviously, there's a ton of moving parts mm -hmm. in any production like that. But what happens when the when you don't line up? Do you have to You have to compromise. compromise? You, have to, you have to meet. Yeah, you have to meet somewhere because especially if it's on set, if it's happening on set, not in pre-production, you got to get your act together fast. Right there. Because you have a team of, you know, hundreds of people waiting for you right Money's now. Money's burning Money every is burning. second. Oh, yeah. 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 So you have to be very, very prepared. So, yeah, you'll just come to a compromise and, and just keep moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What is your heritage? I'm part elf, part fae. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Vietnamese. You know what fae is? Well, it's because I read a lot of young adult novels. You do? Yeah. Which ones? What are you uh, reading right now? Right now, I'm, I'm currently reading Sarah Moss, Glass of, uh, Throne of Glass. Wait, Ashley's reading that. She just got the first Isn't one. Is that, that the crazy? one where there's like eight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on book three or four. Cool. What do you like about YA novels? I just disappear I, I in, into the world. I, I love to turn my mind off because... My mind, it's very active. Mm. I, I have a lot I have to deal with in my life and as you know, any parent has to deal with, but also running a crew um, Yeah. and the biggest job of all is being Sam Regal's wife. <sighs> I mean. Who could ever have the patience, the grace, <clears throat> the, uh, the ability to overlook uh, looks, uh, you know. Him getting his teeth swapped out every six months for I new mean, ones. It's 
<laughs> I mean, I think all my income goes towards Sam Regal's upkeep. His upkeep, mm-hmm. his uh, his wardrobe, his, his, his manscaping. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Does he do a lot of manscaping? <laughs> do you ever <clears throat> just sit in bed and read your YA novels and hear a lot of tzzz coming from the bathroom and forty-five minutes at a time? Like, what could you like, possibly? What are you doing in there? Yeah. Nothing. You don't have Nothing. that much back hair. Jesus. Actually. Yeah. Okay. So you're yeah. part elf, part fae. Yeah. And uh, 100% and Vietnamese. 100% Vietnamese. Yeah. Um, were your parents born here or there? No, no, no. I was the first one born in America. Yeah. So my parents fled Vietnam and were refugees and, and landed in America in 1975. So my two older sisters were born in Vietnam, and I was the first one born in America. What is that experience like? I don't know any other experience. I mean, but... yeah. Like, <laughs> at what age do you think you understood what your parents left and why? You know, because if America's all you had known, mm-hmm. yet your sisters, you know, how old were they when when you guys left? There are four, and oh no, three. My yeah. my older sister was just born. So she was a couple months old. So no memory really. No memory. From she has no them. memory. Yeah, my other sister was two, so even she, I don't think, has any memories. Yeah. From that, but I did. I I'm still trying to understand what they went through, and I think mm. only after 9/11 happened did I get a taste of what my parents may have gone through. The trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Of fleeing a country, being so young, not knowing where they were headed. How old were they? Like twenty one and wow. three or something, so young. Wow. Yeah, it was intense, and I had no appreciation of what they had gone through until I experienced it myself to, you know, a fraction of the degree that hmm. they had endured all those years yeah. in that war torn country. Um, where did they move when they came here? So they took their boat people, mm-hmm. and they landed in Springfield, Virginia. Oh wow. Yeah. So that's where I was born. Yeah. And I think actually I was born in Fairfax. And how long did you spend there? Um, I went to university there, so I only moved out of Virginia when I was 22. University of Virginia? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Where I became Sam Regal's girlfriend. Enough about him. Jesus Christ. (laughs) No, we're going to get to that because I have a lot of things I want to hear your side of the story. so then what was growing up like, those those first, you know, up until high school and stuff like that? Were you close with your sisters? I, you know, as siblings mm-hmm. are like, we were, we were very competitive with one another, Asian especially, not to, you know, oh, it makes live sense. up to the stereotype. Right, right, right. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I played the flute, though, not mm-hmm. the violin. My sister played the violin. You, uh, you like playing the flute? My sister I played loved the flute. I loved it, yeah. yeah. You know, I played it for many years, yeah. So you're growing up in... A country that you're the first generation of, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, how did your parents take to being in America? Was it a huge, obviously a huge cultural adjustment? And this is in the late '70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only now still speak Vietnamese to my parents. We really up, we grew up speaking Vietnamese at home, and we still do. Do you speak any other languages? Uh, I speak. I studied a lot of languages when I was growing up because I wanted to be in the CIA. So I, I studied um, uh, Japanese, Latin, German, and Italian. Why did you want to be in the CIA? What did you want to do for I just want to be a badass spy. I want to be like a spy. I did. But you know what? I did not have perfect vision. 
so all my chances were shattered. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. I had also, a... it's really hard to get in, and also yeah. like I maybe decided that might be a little crazy. That kind of. But I wanted role. to for many years. I wanted to be like in the CIA, be a spy. Like I studied martial arts. I studied languages. I I was like preparing. You were like really gonna I do was, it. I was. How I was. old were you at this point when you're dreaming like, about no. that? 18. Dang. Yeah. Well, did you watch a movie or read a book or what inspired that? Books. Books. That was, yeah. Books have always been my thing. Were you reading Tom Clancy and you're like, I was I not, be... no. No. But, you know, Anne McCaffrey, mm -hmm. Ursula Le Guin, mm -hmm. um, Pierce Anthony, sci fi fantasy. That was my jam. CIA. Yeah. I think you could still do it. At what point did you say, uh, I'm going to give up on my dream of being um, a CIA agent? Mm -hmm. uh, I think of, um, did you ever see uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis? Of course. Oh, man. Classic. That could be you. Could be me. Could have been. Still can. Still can. I don't know. I have kids now. Yeah, but once they turn 18, you're still going to be badass. You could just I'll be like, so old. <laughs> we'll all be so old. I can't like... I don't know if I'll be able to kick someone in the groin and like. But you can do this. You can go work there and do this and speak on the phone I languages could. to people. I could. I could. That'd be cool. At what point did you go? I'm going to give up my dream of being a CAA badass and go into accounting. Mm -hmm. What? When in did college, that happen? Like college? Yeah, I went to college not really knowing what I was going to do. I thought maybe pre med, so I took a lot of pre med classes the first year. Quickly realized I cannot do this. I don't like it at all. It just wasn't your thing? It was my thing. Yeah. And I took a lot of electives like mythology because I've always been really into mythology and fantasy and sci-fi. So I really excelled in the languages and, and, the, and the art classes and the mythology. But, you know, you can't really make a living doing that. Or can you? Or can you? <laughs> That's a good point. But no, at the time, at the time, there was nothing no. in the world that would no. tell you you could do that no. for a living. Okay, there was yeah. not critical no. role. No, there and wasn't. I didn't even know I could be a filmmaker. Mm. I started really late. Do you think if you knew watch. you could be a filmmaker, but at that time it wasn't really something in your mind, mm -hmm. right? So no. like, yeah. When I was a freshman in, in high school, I took a film class. And I thought that was really cool. I was the only freshman. It was a bunch of like theater drama nerds and seniors. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I was just like, you know, little dorky freshman who was in the higher math classes and mm -hmm. in the symphonic band and whatever. But uh, that was my first exposure to film. And I kind of left it alone until I got to film school for yeah. my master's. Yeah. Because I didn't even do anything film related in college. I sang a cappella and you I You also sang a cappella? That's how I met that's Sam. right, I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> what was the name of your group? Did you have a group? So yes. So at UVA we call ourselves Wahoos. Okay. Because it's like a fish that yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were the Silhouettes. That's so clever. Cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's dark, cool. Dark. How how many years did you do the a cappella thing? Was that like a part Three of college? Years. Oh, huge part. part. It was everything. That was my life. Did Instead you ever want of... to be a singer? No. But you loved singing? I'm a musician. You... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I never really considered myself a singer. Sam thinks I have a good voice, but I'm like, eh, I can get by. I have good pitch. You know, I can arrange. I was a musical director for two years. What, doing what? I arranged all the music, did all the... Oh, uh, for the acapella for group. group. Yeah. Okay. So oh, I... Yeah. yeah. Do you still play 
music at all? Do you still ever like bust out your flute or sing? No, or... I tried the other day. You sing to the kids? Oh, all the time. Sam okay. and I sing all the time. No, that must be we fun. We sing. You, it's it's really nice. He likes to harmonize. We 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 and a lot of times we'll jump to the harmony at the same time. You're an acapella and you made Sam and he's an acapella. Mm -hmm. Tell me your side of how that How we met? Yeah, tell me how that went down. I, when you first met him, but yeah, like what was your initial thought? What 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 I happened? I thought he there? was an asshole. You did? Oh yeah. A lot of people think he's I, a dick when they meet him. Yeah. Because he's, um, he's special. I don't even know where to start. So I met him. He was, you know, I he was very talented. He was, he's an incredible singer, performer, like it's in his blood. Mm -hmm. And so that's not what I am and not what I desire to be. I don't like to really be in front of the camera. I don't like to be in the limelight. Um, so when I met him, I was like, that guy's a total asshole. <laughs> like, why is he trying to get with me mm -hmm. when he's clearly messing around with all these other girls. He's got his pick of the litter, as oh, they yeah. say. Well, right? girls would like throw their panties at him, basically. I know, During so. acapella? It's, I mean, not literally, but. Guys, we chose the wrong profession. <laughs> well, the girls would hold signs up that say that would say AVP, which stood for Academical Village People, mm. rocks my box. You know, and in Sam would say stuff like, oh, girls, you're, you're going to wet your panties on this next one. You know, he's just nasty. <laughs> like, that's he played a... to it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. That's hilarious. So I was really pushing him away a lot. Like, come on, man, you're just a slut. Mm -hmm. And I am not. I'm so innocent. I'm a Catholic girl. I'm an accountant. I'm an accountant, you know. Yeah. But uh, we became really good friends and we became the best of friends. Mm. So I couldn't really hide that fact of it. Mm -hmm. And with my boyfriends before, I had always become really close with them as friends before dating. That's just who yeah. I am. You know, yeah. I like to meet people and, and socialize and get to know someone. Yeah. So we became really the best of friends. And at that point, I was dating another guy in the group. Mm -hmm. And then we broke up. Another guy in Sam's locker. In Sam's group. group right. Very incestuous. A lot of, of course. A lot of cross dating. Yeah. As you do in college. Crossing the streams. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't tried that. That's, you don't Can want you do to. That? You don't want to. I tried it this morning in the shower. No, I'm kidding. You can get dropsy from that. <laughs> Remember dropsy? I don't think they no, get that anymore. It's what like something that? I saw in Downton Abbey. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like an ancient disease. Not ancient. I mean, that shows not. Is there like a vaccination for that? Yeah, I think so. It's you probably to... made a comeback. Adrenaline though. in the like, heart. Like polio and a lot of I think it's adrenaline in the heart, like Pulp Fiction. Oh, God. Oh, that's. That That's was so good. Scene. That was That's so good. Scene. So good. Okay, so you're dating so, some yeah. other guy, yeah. some other acapella. Yeah. And then... and, uh, and then we break up, and and then Sam and I get very close. You know, there's a little bit of dancing here and there, like maybe a New Year's celebration where we, you know, a little kiss. Oh. Oh. The vibes were there. You the knew, vibes like, were there. You knew I, I want to be more than just a friend with yeah, this guy. Yeah, but I was like, do I want to? Do I want to? He, we're so different. So different. What were the biggest differences in your mind? Besides the fact that he was so outgoing and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. throw your bras up here, ladies, yeah. and then you're, I mean, you know. I think the whole actor thing, you know. Mm. I, I think most actors are narcissists. You have to be in order to be an actor, and I, I don't think it's a negative quality, but you also have to be selfless at times. Mm -hmm. And I've since seen that, especially since we had kids, but that's many right. years later. He's able to, he's, he's able to hold both. Yeah. He's the best dad in the world. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. 
sometimes I think he's a better dad than I am a mom. You think so? Well, because like I would go away for months at a time yeah, to work, job, and yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm the worst mother in the world, but that's still something I'm coming to terms with. Yeah, but anyway, that's a we, part of this whole crazy. It's so hard. Choosing a life in this business is there's sacrifices and there's there's yeah. big sacrifices exactly. and there's big rewards, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's yeah. a trade up. And, and and I don't think there's any easy answer to it. There's no solution, and it's something you just have to keep working on constantly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, going back to college, we became the best of friends. And then one day he said, this is too painful for me. I don't think we can be friends anymore because you don't want the same thing as me. And I was like, why? I, he wanted to take it further and you He wanted to yeah. and I didn't. And I said, well, you have to change your ways because you're slutting at a, you know, pretty much you're like sledding yeah. around all the time. And if you really like me, why are you hooking up with all these girls all the time? And I gave him an ultimatum. I was like, you can't do that anymore. You got to clean up your act if you really want to. He's like, well, I can't just like stop my ways. And I'm like, yes, you can. <laughs> yes. That's what if you really is. want this. Yeah, exactly. That's like, that's, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we didn't think... talk for like three days. And I was oh, like, right. I was right. like, my life is over. Mm-hmm. So. And then what happened after the three days? I just. I went to his room and I brought his favorite ice cream and I said, "Okay, that's right. We're gonna we're gonna do this, and we've been together ever since." Do you think that part of what attracted him to you was the fact that you weren't at all like those other girls? I didn't fall for that, mm. I, and I don't think I have since. I still don't. <laughs> you don't buy into that. Whole I don't side buy of into it. that whole like. Ah! Uh huh. It's not just no. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because it's not like, oh, opposites attract or something mm-hmm. like that with you guys. It's on a deeper level. Like you each cover different bases yeah. and you each have different dreams, but you're yes. both okay with, you're okay with each other's differences, but also encouraging them too, right? hundred percent. Yeah. I have the biggest fan in Sam. He's supported me in my career. When I said, you know, after 9-11 happened, I, I wanted to quit my job and I did. And I wanted to be happy. And that has been the single most consistent theme in our lives mm. since then is what makes you happy? And we have those discussions all the time. And I and I ask my children that all the time. Are you happy? Are you happy? What makes you happy? And I, I want to make sure that my kids understand that when I do go away, it's for it's not because I need to work to make money. Mm. It's because work makes me happy. But just because oh, I go yeah. away, it doesn't mean that I don't love you less. Why is that important to you to communicate? Because I, I can think of so many situations where mm-hmm. my my parents were traveled a lot growing up and that was definitely not how things were communicated to me. I mean, they did their best, right. but like sure. it was we have to make money or whatever else. But that seems like a really good way for them not to resent work or what you mm-hmm. do, but also in their own path. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, I want them to be happy. That's all I want yeah. in, in life. I don't care if they go to school. I don't care if they quit gymnastics. I don't care if they don't want to play the piano. I want them to be happy because mm. I think that is everything. And I think happiness leads to success. It leads to uh, good relationships. It leads to good people. Mm. I think I think that Americans need to be happier overall. I think. There was some article where Americans rated the lowest in terms of happiness across yeah. the world. Yeah. And so I don't know when this became so important to me. Maybe it was after 9-11 when I mm. reevaluated life and just went on a different journey and, you know, became a cinematographer. Um, 
basically switched my whole career path and yeah. trajectory because of that that life-altering that event. event. Yeah. yeah. So well, I think happiness is always a theme, and and it, it comes up all the time with Sam and myself. Um, talking about critical role, I get really upset sometimes when he has to do a show on Tuesday, a show on Thursday, a show on Friday, and then a photo shoot on Sunday. That's four days out of seven. Yeah. And I, I just have to take a breath and say, okay, this is what makes him happy. Mm. So I, when I say that, and then I put myself in his shoes, I can let it go. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's, I mean, speaking from experience, sure. I'm sure there's times too, where you've had to be gone for months and he's like, dang, this is going to suck. I'm yes. going to miss her. I'm going to miss her like crazy. Yes. I'm going to probably gain 15 pounds. Uh, I got to take care of the kids by myself. You know what I mean? And it, but, but it is, help it. well, of course. Yeah. Sure. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, you're not going to be there to make sure he's not, yeah. you know, yeah. raising them terribly for those couple of months. But yeah, it's a weird, it's that weird trade-off. Like we said. Yeah. It's a huge compromise too. Mm. And it's, it's been a struggle the last couple of years with my career job taking being, off. yeah. And just getting busier and busier. And the, he said something the other day that was just like, stab to the heart what he said it? you know with your television schedule you might as well be out of the country shooting a feature and i i was like oh, I, I mean I, it's tv and i stopped and yeah. i was like i mean yes true mm -hmm. but i am in bed every night and i'm here on the weekends that's true yeah because and you're able to shoot right now locally yes yeah which and is not always the case no well it's it's a very conscious choice Mm -hmm. I stopped doing features because every feature shoots out of town. Yeah. And I had an amazing opportunity in television, which I took. And then I've just been doing television shows in L.A. Mm. But I'm looking f to do a feature next because I've You've been home I've for earned it. I've earned enough points. I've I been here it. for like two years you now. You got your so punch I'm card. Like, I'm like, look, All these I've been TV here shows. for 700 days <laughs> yeah. straight. You should do like, I got four TV shows and then I get a feature. Yeah. And then I get kinda, four TV shows. Kinda. Yeah. And, and then we I talk about that. But he... He sees that I'm unhappy sometimes mm. in, in, in shooting uh, some content because it's not as creative. You can't really flex all your muscles because you're trying to, you know, you know. Yeah, you're trying to you're match trying a to vision. You're trying to make eight to ten pages a day. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily match a vision because I, I try to only shoot pilots. Oh, right, and, uh, right. And yeah. establish the look. But um, to be consistent and to shoot multiple cameras mm -hmm. just to make the day, you, there's only so much creativity that you can work around. Yeah. So. And then if you come home unhappy with how that goes, yeah, it's like, he knows. Yeah, and he knows. Yeah. yeah. And the last two projects, however, have been really, really gratifying mm. because of the subject material. It's right. a very socially impactful show. I'm excited for it to premiere yeah. next year. And, and then I'm Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right. Yes. Um, and then uh, uh, this Africa doc that I just did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, how long ago was that that you did it? I just got back a month ago. Okay. So... But I, wanna, I was so happy, and Sam noticed from doing it. it. Yeah, he was yeah. like, you know, you, you you should do more stuff like that. Yeah. So you're like, I'll just go to Africa then, whenever like, I want. See ya later. <laughs> I talked to Sam about 9/11 when he was here mm -hmm. for his episode and got his perspective on mm -hmm. it. But what in the world was that day like for you? Because you woke up that morning, and to the sound to of, the sound of of an airplane smashing into across it. the street from your apartment yes and then you guys just ran out yes well we was, ran to the window you ran to the window we were on the 18th floor oh right yeah and looked outside didn't see anything 
looked up. Smoke. People running around. What is going on right now? Did you know it was a plane or did you no. think it was a bomb? Because it was just nope. a, a loud explosion, basically. It was a loud explosion. It shook the bed. We were sleeping in separate beds because we weren't married yet. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Dick Van Dyke show. Don't show my mom this. I won't. I won't. <laughs> and we won't subtitle it for her either. No. No, she can understand English. Oh, okay. Shit. Anyway, so <laughs> the, the ground shook, the bed shook. What was that? Jump out of bed, run to the window. Oh my God, what's happening? Oh, a little plane, just- Something happened. An accident. Right. Yeah. Sam's father calls and he is a scientist, mm -hmm. a very smart man. He says, get out of the apartment now. Those, that building is going to collapse. What? You're crazy. Right. It's the World Trade Center. Yeah. It's built of steel. It's not going to fall. What? He knew when the plane he, hit eventually. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's a brilliant scientist. Mm -hmm. So we did not listen to him because we're not that smart. Right. I grabbed we were my, young. And... Yeah, we were young. So I grab my camera and I start photographing and suddenly, mm, and I put my camera down for a half second and I see the second plane go into the South Tower. And it seemed like it was in slow motion because after that, I see this mushroom cloud. Oh, of smoke and stuff, yeah. Of smoke and fire rush towards me. And I am blown back from the window and the heat and the sound and the smell overpowers me and I fall back. And Sam, he was in the other room on the phone with his dad when it happened. Oh. So he did not witness that mm -hmm. plane crash. So I, I go back to the window and Sam runs and he's like, oh my God, what just happened? And I said, another plane crash. This is not an, an accident. accident. And he goes, what kind of plane was it? And I said, it was a commercial airliner. It was not small. And so we knew at that point that we were being attacked. And what'd you do? So then I, like an idiot, <laughs> I, I took more pictures. Took more pictures. I didn't know what else to do. Right. What were we supposed to do? We looked down, and I photos of that too, and there are, you know, people running out of the Marriott Hotel and then firefighters running in. And I think that to me, I will never forget that image, is people running out and the firefighters running in. Whoa. Because we know what happened to yeah. those firefighters. Yeah. So I have pictures of that and... Um, Finally, we exited the building, but when we ran down, we ran down 18 flights because we were like, oh, let's not take the elevator. Just we might get case. stuck, get whatever, stuck there, whatever. Yeah. We don't know. We have no idea. We hit the ground floor, and at the exact moment is when the South Tower fell. So and it must have just been like... Well, we thought it was more attacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the sound of the tower collapsing was deafening. I can't imagine. You're across the street. I thought literally an airplane or something was right over us dropping bombs. So we were running from the cloud and it very quickly encompassed us and overtook us and, and then suddenly silence. And that's what I remember the most is the smell and the lack of sound of what, that moment. What was the smell? Just that smoky fire like there's debris everywhere. Debris there's and papers, ash. But ash. It's, it's a very specific smell. And every now and then, I smell it. Mm. And it's a smell of death and ash.
And it's, uh, it'll take me right back to that moment. So we're running for our lives. The smoke is, is everywhere. I'm next to Sam. He's right. He's screaming. I'm screaming and it's just nothing, no sound, just silence. And then a couple minutes later, an EMT gives us masks. We put them on the first responders. And then suddenly we start hearing this high pitched piercing sound. We're like, what is that? And then another one, the same pitch and they keep coming. And it's the sound of the firemen's bands when their heart stops beating. Oh my God. You hear the sound apparently. Oh my God. Yeah. And those started going off. Yeah. Were you taking pictures because part of you felt like, okay, obviously there's this crazy trauma and there's experience, but there's, this is a moment in history or was it just a reflex to have something to do to not panic at the moment while you were still trying to sort of figure out the plan and everything? At that time I had just been gifted a camera. I, I think I mentioned earlier, I, I really got into the filmmaking game late. Mm -hmm, right. Um, I was, 22 when Sam gave me my first camera and I was like, oh, this is cool. So for your birthday or something, it was right? for my birthday yeah. and I, I was painting a lot. And so, um, and I would work from photographs sometimes. So he was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you a camera. So, you know, with, to help with your painting. Mm -hmm. um, but then quickly I realized I liked the photographs more mm -hmm. than the painting process. So I was really into photography. Um, I would shoot black and white and process everything and print it myself. So at that point I had been doing it like two years, two, oh, and, okay, half, two yeah. and a half years. So I don't know, I just felt like I just had to document. What was happening. Yeah, and this was before social media. Right, of course, yeah. And I, I wasn't driven by that at all. No, like I yeah. didn't think like, oh, I can sell these photos. That would never entered my mind. Right. I just felt like this organic need to, to uh, photograph and to document this moment in history. Hmm. So we were running and we were like, should we jump over the fence, the promenade oh, right. down there yeah. in Battery Park and swim to New Jersey? Because at that point we were running south and people were running north. Oh. And we we're like, we are screwed. We're dead. There's nowhere to go. And people are just, it's just a melee. Like no one knows what's happening. We don't know if it's terrorists. We don't know if that was like the US Air Force flying. Like we had no idea what right. was happening. It was so scary. And this is before really the, the internet mm -hmm. really took off. And so it's not like we could check our phones no. and like it, it was just cell phones cell phone and flip it, phones yeah. at the time. So we didn't know what was happening. And we, we got to the south end of the island and we were like lying on our stomachs when the second tower fell, the north tower. And then again, that, that mushroom that cloud came, yeah, and it overtook us and um, had this picture of Sam standing before the North Tower fell with the mask on. We showed it on his episode. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's you just, can just see it. It's it's it. It's everything. I mean, it's it'll take you right back there, and it's really scary to think about now. Yeah. But um, I don't really talk about it a lot. I know. Like I a lot, a lot of people don't even like know I was there. Right. And yeah. that it was the reason I became a cinematographer. Like when I get asked, oh, why did you become a DP? I I I always hesitate. I'm like, do I want to give them the long answer? Mm -hmm. Or do I just say, oh, you know, I was a stills photographer and I just wanted to be challenged more. So I 
I, uh, and it was a very solo job, you know, photography is yeah. very solo. So I wanted to collaborate more. So I became filmmaker. That's kind of like my, my right. easy That's a good answer way without, it. without getting into 9-11 changed my life. Mm -hmm. I almost died. I quit my corporate job and decided to pursue the arts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you ended up taking some of those roles of film mm -hmm. to the Associated Press. Yeah. So you walk, what did you do? You yeah. just walked in and said, I, I said, I have images. And then they looked at them. They're like, these are incredible. We want you to go back and shoot more. So I did that a couple times. They gave you a badge and. Yeah, I had, yeah, I went and I did that whole thing. So thank you for talking about that, yeah, by the way. Of course. After that experience, obviously mm -hmm. changed your life. And then how, how did that transition into, was it the near-death experience that made you go, I really want to do what I really want to do with my life because I had this close call. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, what I really passionate about is telling stories through visually capturing it, right? It wasn't so happen? clearly defined. Yeah. Because I was so young. I was like 23 or something right. when it yeah. happened. So I just knew I did not want to do accounting. I was always miserable doing it, but this was my out. Mm. And it gave me the courage mm. to just be like, you know what? I'm going to quit. So I did. And I tried to pursue photography full time. And I did. And I worked for newspapers. And then at the time, Sam was producing some short films mm -hmm. at NYU, one of his many jobs, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Has like a million jobs uh -huh. all the time, even now. Even now, right? Even now. Yeah. So he was producing some NYU grad films and he brought me on as stills photographer. So I started to shoot stills for all these short films. Yeah. And I made friends with the camera crew. I was like, this is really cool. Can I slate? So I like second AC'd. I did, mm -hmm. I'd slated on a couple shorts and. Uh, on a whim, I applied to the uh, master's program at UCLA and AFI, and I got into both. And so we moved to California. And I think because of 9-11, we kind of, not that we wanted to abandon and, and give up hope and, and, and leave New York forever. I just felt like we kind of needed to get out of there because it, 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 held, it held so much trauma for us. Mm -hmm. And it was just hard. You said that you guys came to a, a choice because of that experience mm -hmm. where you would either call it quits or yeah. stay together. Mm -hmm. um, you obviously yeah. chose to stay together, yeah. but what did you mean by that? Because well, of experience like that can... Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of times in relationships in, that are born out of traumatic experience, like an EMT saves a woman from whatever, mm -hmm. those may or may not work. Hmm. In our situation, though, because we had already been together for, so for three long. years yeah. at that point, yeah. it just confirmed our love for one another. And and having faced death, knowing I don't think I can live without you. So wow. it really just solidified our relationship. And that's what I, when I say, I'm sorry, I'm like. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. No, it's fine. You know, I don't, I don't, I would never want anyone to go through that. Mm -hmm. Um but for us, it really just confirmed that we should be together. Yeah. yeah. You also see, you also see in a situation like that, the most vulnerable part yeah. of that person yeah. and how they yeah. react to you in that moment. And that also can go one of two ways. Totally. And then you go like, if we can survive this together mm -hmm. and, and 
and react the way we did mm -hmm. to each other and become closer than there, what 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 yeah. is going to throw itself your way that you won't be able to tackle right exactly it just makes you stronger and um it makes you appreciate life mm. really it does and to know what's important to you and what you can do to better yourself and to make things better for your partner and, mm. and just working in a very symbiotic way you know it's it, it takes a lot of hard work to be in a relationship yeah anyway yeah and and it never ends yeah it, it takes work to maintain that relationship and when you are thrown new obstacles like a move or a mm -hmm. house mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah a, oh, a house a can really one. like break up oh i know yeah or children or kids yeah or children yeah there's always something new that will test that bond mm -hmm. and i am just grateful that um you know we have stood the test all these years. Yeah. 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 So after you guys worked together on those short films and then mm -hmm. it was like, okay, UCLA is going to happen. I'm going to go in this master's yeah. program. Did it feel like a fresh, it probably felt like a fresh start for you, oh, right? Because you're totally. in a new city, you're in a whole new, yeah. and, but you, were you scared to switch careers all of a sudden and go into this of passion? Of course. We were so, I was so scared. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know how I got in. I got in based on my stills, mm. the strength of my stills work. Mm. And I, up until then, had only worked on short films for like a year. Did so, you, yeah. Did you know then that you wanted to do cinematography in addition yes. to just photography? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I applied to the cinematography program. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I, knew, I knew for certain that I wanted to be behind the camera. What was your family's response? to not only you guys moving, but to your changing careers? I was already the black sheep of the family. Because they're very traditional. Oh my right. gosh. Yeah. Well, we still weren't married yet. Right. So I, oh, yeah. I have so been like that. living this lie the whole time. When I moved out of my house after college to go to New York, it was really bad. I actually made a short film about it at film school. You did? Yes. About yes. what happened with... About my 9-11 story and about moving out, mm. being the black sheep of the family, mm. um, you know, not really talking to my mom, and then after 9-11, reuniting and, you know, not being afraid to show my emotions. Yeah. So... That's a big part it's of it, a, too, really right? It's a really intense six-minute short. <laughs> I want to see it. It should be, like, a feature length, but, like, I try to pack it all in in six minutes. <laughs> Let's make it a feature. I'll write it. You got, like, 200 bucks. I'll write yeah, it, and then it. you can shoot yeah, it. I'll shoot on my iPhone. Be great. So, yeah, what level of fear were you experiencing in starting over in LA? You have this secret too, but then you also have this sort of blossoming out of tragedy career yeah. that was super yeah. exciting at the same yeah. time. I think I was more excited, but I was scared about money. Yeah. Because Sam didn't really have a lot of prospects. He was traveling back to New York still to do voiceover mm -hmm. and to make money to pay for our Los Angeles apartment. Yeah. So it was really hard. We, I was, you know, in film school, I got some scholarship money, but out of state is a lot of money mm. at UCLA. So after that, after the first year, you know, I was fine. Um, but I was just scared financially more than anything else. I was too young to really think about like, oh, am I going to make it? Because that, when you're that young, you just, you have dreams. You and, do. And I'm not really a pessimist. Mm -hmm. So, I never doubted that I would make it because I was like, oh, I'm going to go to film school. I'll have a film career. Yeah. that's It's a given, like, right? They give you one the last day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is so not the reality. I think there's maybe 
two people in my class who are still filmmakers. Wow. Yeah. Everybody else just I yeah it's or fizzled teach. out. I or mean, it's too hard. They're still in the business in some respect, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to think like how many. Maybe there are a couple directors, but you know it's hard to call yourself a director if you haven't really directed right. anything outside of film school. We all have that moment where it sort of clicks, where yeah. our dream lines up with our yeah. reality, and yeah. we go, "Oh my God! Yeah. I always wanted to feel this thing." And now it's happened. Was there a specific gig for you where that happened? I don't, I don't know. And I'm asked that all the time. Like, oh. or you know, now that you've made it, I'm like, well, I let's let's hold on. Yeah, hold, <laughs> yeah, 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 hold yeah, yeah, yeah. on. Yeah. What? There's no such thing as making it because mm -hmm. I'm still trying to like get to that next level always. And and, I think, and when you finish a gig, you never know if the phone's gonna oh, ring yeah. or not. I'm like, so this could be my it. last job. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna work again. Mm -hmm. I'll have to like get a job here. Mm -hmm. no, we can't afford you. I'm so sorry. I've <laughs> no, tried. but you know, you always want to level up, right? Right. Exactly. You want to get to the next project, and I think complacency is the killer of creativity. So if I'm ever saying to myself, "Oh, I've made it," I think at that point I should just quit because mm. then at that point I don't think I'm growing anymore as an artist or learning anything new. And, I, and I, I mentor a lot of young filmmakers, and I tell them, no matter what job you do, do the best. Hmm. And there's always going to be that next job, and you're going to try to do even better on that next one. I, I still try to do that. And I look at something I shot last week, and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? That's so ugly, terrible. Why did I do that? Yeah. You know, I'm, even now, I'm always, always trying to better myself as an artist, as a leader, as a collaborator, as a storyteller. How do you do that? How do you better yourself? I just look at my work and I look at the circumstances and I reevaluate and I just think a lot. I'm a thinker. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. yeah. Do you, are you constructively self-critical or does that get into like you're too self-critical of your own work? Both. 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 And I think as artists, we tie a lot of our self-worth to our work. Mm. So, and Sam's always telling me, you're so hard on yourself. Oh, you're going through the phase again where you look at something once, you think it's horrible. You look at it the second time, you think it's even worse. And then third time you think, oh, it's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like this endless cycle. Uh -huh. Every time I do <laughs> I do a project, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? And yeah. he's like, oh, there she goes again. <laughs> Give it two days, you'll be Give it be two okay days, you'll be it. fine. Yeah. yeah, he's like, oh. So I'll be in like this pit of despair and then I'll get a call from my agent. Oh, you just booked this job. I'm like, yay. It's fine. I'm worthwhile. I'm right. like, you know, I have... Yeah, I'm a human being. I'm a whole person. Yes. I can go on. It's just so pathetic. But it is tied to that. But yeah. you know, I'm not afraid to to admit that I have a lot of faults and mm -hmm. there's room to grow and be better. Living or dead, who are your favorite people behind the camera? Whose work do you just you just love? You it's 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 you know Yeah, my mentor, Roger Deakins. So I met him at UCLA. He was teaching at, he was the cinematographer in residence mm -hmm. and we just hit it off. And um, I was of all very, the people, very lucky. Yeah, I got super lucky. People, I, got I Yeah, he, he helped me a lot he's my in my early days. He's incredible because his way of telling a story is very classical. Okay, yeah. You know, he's not full of gimmicks mm -hmm. and, and tricks. And when you watch a movie that he shot 20 years ago, it's still relevant. Mm. And it, the, cin the cinematography does not feel gimmicky. Right. And 
it's because it's very classical in mm. its approach. And he would always tell me, story, story, story. Mm. I would ask him for advice. He's like, well, do you like the story? Can you relate to it? And that was the best advice anyone has ever given me. And I think that's why I pride myself on being a storyteller right. and have a strong understanding of whatever script I'm given. Mm. If I can relate to it and if I like it, then I will take on the project. But if I can't, I don't think it would do anyone any justice. If I don't like the movie, how can I tell it right. and, and, and fulfill someone else's vision, vision if I can't relate to it? So let's take that term making it, which we hear a lot oh in gosh. this town and around. Yeah. But isn't making it for you the ability to go, there was a time where I wasn't able to take a gig because of that. But like, isn't yeah. making it really, I'm now at a place where I only have to take a gig if I really think it's a story that I can help tell versus like all the gigs yeah. you had to take just to pay the bills or yes. to advance your career, yes. right? Yes. That's yes. making it. That's that the is, fulfilling That thing. is the definition, I would say, to take only projects that you're passionate about. Mm. In what ways do you think you contribute to the telling of a story? Because obviously you are capturing those moments and stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of DPs nowadays aren't behind the camera. They're mm -hmm. lighting and they're doing stuff mm -hmm. and then they watch it mm -hmm. on monitors at Video Village and stuff. But are you, are you, in, you're touched with all those different aspects, but then mm -hmm. are you also ever still like, I'm on the camera? Do you like that or do you like to be? I, I love being behind the camera. Roger operates all of his work. Mm but he only shoots features. Right. And so, in single camera features mostly. So when you shoot television, you can't do that because mm. there's too much to navigate. You have set. too many cameras. You have to, yeah, you have to light and pre-light the next set because of the demanding page count and schedule. You have multiple operators. So I can't be operating if I don't know what the second camera or third camera is doing. So mm. I need to be at the village and running you're ship. looking at the full yeah. picture. But I like to light from the set. Mm. I'm very traditional in that way. I use a light meter. I stand on set. I talk to the actors. I know all their names. Like, yeah. like I, you know, as if I were still operating. And only at the last minute do I go back to village. Mm. So I'm very involved. I like to pride myself in having relationships with the actors, um, you know, keeping them abreast of what's next. Because I like to be informed. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. with the AD. And I try to stay involved as if I were shooting a single camera feature. Hmm. I noticed that uh, you were kind enough to invite uh, Ashley and by proxy me to your Christmas party last year. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that almost every actor in that in the last project you had worked on before mm -hmm. that came to your Christmas party yeah. and was just speaking so highly Aww. of that experience. Mm -hmm. I haven't been on a set where you mm -hmm. have shot, but I can tell that mm -hmm. they appreciate the attention to detail mm -hmm. and that sort of like classical or traditional, I guess, approach to yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's because I try to, well, first of all, I know the actors are on camera for a living and I want them to look good, mm -hmm. even if it calls for like a very dark and dramatic moment, you know, there's a way to light them where right. they still look, you know, movie star bad. <laughs> um, but what I also do is I, will be looking out for something and I'll see them do something in a way that like wasn't noticeable before in the first or second take and they'll do something new. I'm like, oh my gosh, 
and, I, and so then I'll go to the director and be like, hey, just now the actor did this. Do you want to like go in? I know we didn't plan a close up, but do you want to go in for a close up to capture that beat? Because mm. this could be pivotal. Yeah. So yeah. the actors know that I'm looking out for their performance. Whoa. And I think that's what's really um, solidifies that DP actor relationship. Yeah. Is that I'm looking out for their story and their character arc, not just making them look pretty. Yep. It sounds fun. I love it. It I, sounds really fun. I love my job so much. I'm so lucky and grateful. You were like super pregnant while shooting a feature or a show or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a couple, or a couple both of things. pregnancies I was shooting. What's that until like? like the end. Well, on I did this little short film called Smilf. Uh-huh. It, it ended up doing pretty well. It won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. Was that 2015? 15, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so I was eight months pregnant, and I was so huge. <laughs> like, the Terminator lives up to her name. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I basically was, like, sitting there, like, with my belly out here with the camera on my belly, like, oh, my God, why did I do this? You got to pee I, all I the loved, time. Yeah. I love the director. I thought she had an incredible story. She was a friend. I shot her boyfriend at the time. They're married now. Her boyfriend's short. So he was like, hey, can you shoot my girlfriend's project? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I got nothing going no. on. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. But I just love doing my job. And mm. um, it's. I just feel so lucky that I can do it in this environment now which supports women a lot more than yeah than it used to even 4 years ago like tell me how really that's changed that. tell me how that's changed i am just a little worker bee mm -hmm. in this whole conversation i think change takes a long time for it to be effective and for it to last to have staying power change has to be gradual so as a worker bee in this conversation i try to do my best to hire more women and to also give back to mm. the filmmaking community. I do a lot of outreach. Yeah, I do, you mentor. I do a lot of mentorship. I probably have one or two conversation, conversations on the phone or coffee or have someone visit my set like every week. Mm. So just last week I had a coffee meeting and a phone call. And that phone call was like, oh my gosh, I really want to have kids. I'm 38, but my career isn't where I want it to be. Should I wait another year? And I'm like, no. no. Do it now. Do it now. Right, yeah. Just do it. If you mm. want to have children, just go for it. Mm. You know, don't let... There will never be a right time. There will never time. be a right time. Even when I had my first kid, I was mm -hmm. like, well... Keanu? Whatever, Keanu. I mean, look at that hair. <laughs> anyway. Um, amazing Amazing, hair. amazing. Jealous. I think he gets it from me. Duh. No. Because um, I watched Sam spray his <laughs> on before every show Thursday night. <laughs> Oh. I'm joking. I'm joking. He does That's it in okay. private. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did that mentoring thing become important to you, though? At what point was it? Was it because of Roger and your relationship, and you went, "This was so mm -hmm. awesome," or was it something else? Uh, I think it was a conversation I had with my agent, hmm. and I think it was just when the whole like female cinematographer thing was making headlines and getting more in the news and for me i was like ugh, can't we just make it about the work right but you can't like so many times people look up my name and i don't have a picture on imdb mm -hmm. because i specifically did not want people to know i was a woman interesting yeah. 
yeah, I may change that now, but at the time, a lot like, of changed, yeah. yeah. At the time, uh, I had shot this movie, and, and there was a variety review of my movie, and they listed in Quinn Tran cinematography is elevates the story, and his camera work and lighting, and his photography. Were you pissed? Uh, no. No? Okay. You were like, it's my working. Initial... <laughs> it's working. I'm a man. My initial response was, oh my God, like, that's so lazy. This person could have just Googled me mm. real quick and known that I was one. But then second, I thought, that's kind of cool. Mm. I'm being reviewed based solely on, on my work. On work, yeah. And sex is not playing any part of this conversation. And I think it was the best thing that, that I could have ever experienced. Because I was like, you know what? This is awesome. Yeah. And they, they quickly, like, revised it. I think a couple people, like, wrote in. Sam you know, wrote an email. Was like, no, yes, Sam. No, I'm kidding. If, if, if it's not in his, like, Google uh, alert, uh-huh. Queen Trans I'm talking about. Uh-huh. It's just Sam Regal, Sam Regal, Sam Regal. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding That's why kidding. his phone's going off all day. Yeah. So I think that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you when did you start mentoring? So I started mentoring kind of inadvertently, just I guess since I graduated, just talking to other girl DPs, and mm-hmm. and then just I guess as I became more experienced, more people started calling me because I'm very open. I, yeah. I I try to you know contribute my time and energy, and I like to give back. So is um, it as fulfilling for you as the work itself? Being yes. able to yeah. it is yeah. In fact, I'm about to teach a class. At a high school, uh, one of my friends really? is a film, yeah, a film teacher, a film professor at a, a private school, and I'm going to talk, mm. and it's an all girls private school. So I usually do um, university or AFI or something UCLA, right. you know, just like master classes or right. guest lecture. So this will be fun because they're really young mm-hmm. these kids. So I'm looking forward to it. That's on Friday. That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You're gonna see some little queens in that, yeah. in that, and yeah. and and how cool because if you were that age, yeah. there probably there wasn't that wasn't no really way. going on. No, absolutely not. And I think that's what I'm trying to do: just one meeting at a time, one coffee at a time, just showing people that you can do it, even if you're a woman and you want to have a family and you're a minority. Exactly, it's really important. You know, I had this conversation with a young Vietnamese. DP. He's still a student at UCI. Hmm. I did a lecture at their university a couple weeks ago, and he followed up with a coffee meeting and said to me, you know, as a Vietnamese son, my parents did not understand why I wanted to become a filmmaker. They didn't Hmm. think I could make money or do this for a living. Hmm. But then I, I, I saw your story, and now my parents think it's possible, thanks to you. So that must be. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna tear it up already. <laughs> yeah, but, that you know, must that's just powerful. be like. And just knowing that I can affect someone's life mm. and help their parents see the world a little different, and to not discriminate, and to give their child a chance at happiness, mm. to be an artist, that is everything. So much of that that you said you talk about with your kids about mm-hmm. checking in with them yeah. about whether or not they're yeah. happy and how you and Sam yeah. check in with yeah. each other. Well, I check it's, on with Sam. I don't know if he checks in with me. Oh, you think he'd learn after well, all these it's, years? Well, it's it's interesting. He thinks a lot of times. He thinks he knows what's best for me. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You should shoot a feature." 
go shoot a feature. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's necessarily going to make me happy because there's so much good stuff in television. Right. I'll say no television. I'm like, can you please because the schedule to me for a second? Or because your career, it's like features. Because in this town, there was a long time where television mm -hmm. was the bastard child, and yeah. features were you weren't serious. Yeah. You weren't serious yeah, unless you were in features. A real filmmaker. Exactly. Yeah. And that's changing now oh. because the box office is shrinking and everyone's staying home watching Netflix and... Huge stars are doing TV shows. Everybody in is. In my last show, uh, we had Tony Collette and mm -hmm. Merritt Weaver and Caitlin Dever. It, like, yeah. you know. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Lisa Cholodenko, right? the feature film director, what directed it. It's just, let's take it from just the camera, like just the director of photography part of it, not... Mm -hmm. not Quien and how this fits into your life. Mm -hmm. But what do you like shooting more, features or TV? TV, you get a longer, you get a, a longer amount of time and episodes and mm -hmm. coverage to try right. and get to that develop story. The whole story. I do like that. I think TV has come a long way. Uh, as far as the day-to-day -day process, I just love shooting, but what I've been realizing lately is that I want to only do projects that are socially impactful. Socially impactful. Socially impactful okay. or have a really strong point of view and has something new to say. I don't want to shoot anything that's kind of just for pure entertainment. Where do you think that comes from? Because some people are okay just shooting. It's like, I'll just, the gig, a gig's a gig. I don't know. I think it comes back to the whole theme of being happy, being and, happy. And, and knowing that I can affect change somehow. And you want stories that are going to you want to be a part of stories that, yeah, are going to become yes. a conversation versus yes. just a, that was great. Yeah. That was fun. Haha. <laughs> yeah. Next. Yeah, next one. No, I want I want it to be a conversation piece. So you're not going to do my, I'm writing a Transformers movie. You know, they're still making those. You're not going to do that? I'm going to I'm make sure a Transformers you, 9 if and it comes you from won't you, shoot it? I'm sure you'll have some, like, really interesting twists that will be, you know, one of the transformers. Open up someone's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. One of them is a junkie, and there you go. He skips town, and they have to go to Santa Fe to get him. And go. it's like he fell asleep yeah. on the bus stop. Yeah, I get he it. Meets a beautiful woman. He meets a beautiful woman who, who helps him see life in a new way. Yep. I think you know. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do a deal. I'll call your people. <laughs> do you have people? You have people. My people will call your people. You have shot in some dangerous places. In South Africa, or? I think it was the South Africa one. Or the, one, the other Africa story. What uh, happened in South Africa? In South Africa. What were you shooting? I was shooting, uh, I was still in film school. Mm -hmm. So I was shooting a thesis film mm -hmm. on film. That never happens. Yeah, yeah, on Kodak, shoot film. And we were shooting in Johannesburg, which is really dangerous. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of carjackings there. And uh, we you know, narrowly escaped a carjacking attempt. Somebody uh, came up and tried yeah. to get you guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, kind of packing heat. Oh my God, go. And so we would, that happened once and then it happened kind of again. And we just would have to run red lights because you see, you feel the threat. Mm. And then there was another time when Sam came after we wrapped the short, Sam came and we were um, out clubbing. I think we were in Cape Town at this point. And we were walking down the street and these guys, started triangulating, coming down this alley, coming down this alley. And it was really, really scary. You could tell they wanted Oh, something. yeah. And so I grabbed Sam's arm and I'm like, oh my God, what do we do? 
He goes, just walk. And then one of our friends, South African, was like, go that way. So we ran and he confronted the guys. And then I don't even know what happened, but we got in the car and we were like, oh my God, like shaking. We were going to get mugged or shot yeah, or stabbed yeah, or, something. or something. Like yeah. you knew that was going to happen. It was mm -hmm. just like this horrible feeling. Yeah. You know, when you feel yeah, that you threat, know. you yeah. know, yeah. you know, yeah, that, yeah. that instinct takes mm -hmm. over. And then so what happened in Africa? There are a couple of other things too, but, oh, and then okay. in my most recent trip, I'll tell you one funny, not funny story. Whenever I go, I take a picture or I do a FaceTime video with my kids. I'm like, oh, here's mama's hotel room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I took some pictures of my room at the compound and the bathroom door had a steel door on it. Whoa. And yeah. So in our third or fourth security briefing, I forget what it was. They said, so this compound has been under attack. And if it happens again, you are instructed to go to the bathroom and close both doors and the steel door and make sure the handle's down and make sure that your steel window is shut. And that is the panic room. Oof. And so if you are, yeah, so if we're under attack, you go into there and you lock yourself in. What did you think when they said that? I'm going to die. <laughs> so at night. To die in a panic I'm going to die in a panic room. It's going to be like Jodie Foster. <laughs> yeah. I, I was... So at night, I would wedge a chair because I'm so smart, like CIA. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would put a chair underneath the door, and then I would push the armoire up against it. So there was no way anyone could get in. Mm. So basically, That's it, would take, it would take at least like three minutes, maybe. I like really wedged it in. You would have time to get you to would, the bathroom and get to the Yeah, I would be able to, to even thing. like escape maybe through the windows. Mm -hmm. um, but I, every night I did that. For how long? For two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a little was scary. It, was it a little thrilling? Of course. The, the, the you have promise to be of danger. stupid to do yeah, what I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. go to a, a place that yeah. is uh -huh. threatened by terrorists frequently. To make a film. To make a film. Mm. For a cause, though, that mm -hmm. I really believe in about girls' education and fighting global poverty through education. Yeah. But not just the education of the girls their parents, their dads, their brothers, their grandparents mm. to the community. Yeah. You know, it's important that um, we, we understand that education can end poverty. Mm. Do you want to, do you want to direct or do you not have that thing? Cause I would think you would make a fantastic director because of how technical you are, but also you understand actors. You understand, obviously, how to shoot something and how to get the story you want visually. Seems like you would be able to cover all those bases in your... I think what I said earlier about doing something 150%, mm -hmm. I really want to excel in my craft before I consider anything else. Otherwise, I feel like I've failed or I've given yeah. up. Yeah. And I have been approached to you know, maybe consider directing. Of course. And I've always told my agent, please, I want to focus on cinematography. I want to be the best at what I can do as a cinematographer. I, I feel like I still have a lot to contribute and a lot to learn. So I feel like if I if I stop doing it, I've given up and I'm not a quitter. Mm, no. I'm very driven. I'm very focused. So I want to really excel in my craft before I consider anything else. Is there a milestone for you that's attached to that? Or is it one of those things where you'll know? You'll just know if it's time. I uh, need an Emmy. 
You need just so an Emmy, that just so that he shut up. the fuck up about it. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about my, that when yes. that happened. Oh my gosh. But Women in Media just honored you with a yes, yes, uh, yes. award for yeah, cinematography yeah. their yeah, day, yeah. and that's yeah. pretty amazing. Just contributing to the yeah. film society, yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Do you guys have a, a, a shelf where you're like, look, my side of the shelf is getting pretty heavy and his you is know, like just that lonely Emmy and his acapella awards <laughs> his, or his improv awards? Well, I, I was invited to become a member of the Academy this year. So that's yes. a big deal. It's been incredible. And I, I really am trying to be the best member I can be. I'm on a committee and... You're, no, you're going to watch like, every film. I mean, you're not yeah. just going to vote no, for no. the ones that you know people no. that worked on it. And that's where Sam and I are very different. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm very, uh -huh. I'm very committed. 110% to like fulfilling my role. Not that mm. I'm not saying that Sam doesn't do the best he can do. I know what you're saying. But I, know what you're I, saying. I really try to do the best I can. So you are voting on who wins the Oscars this year. You are you are one of those people that's voting. Yeah. How does it feel? It's Is there some good I movies feel, this year that oh you're my happy God, about? There's so many great films. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of foreign films I've been mm. watching. So. Do you think it's a good time in film right now, or do you think it's a dangerous time because of everything that's happening with streaming and people I not think going to dangerous. movie theaters? Yeah, sorry to talk over you. I oh. think it's um, a tough time, a tricky time. And I think they, I think because of so much material on television, it doesn't leave a lot of room for, for many features. It just leaves room for really small independent features or really big, big features. features. So that middle feature has kind of gone away. Hmm. So there's not a lot of 20 to $60 million films anymore. They're either like under 20 or over 100. Yeah. So it's really hard to, yeah. to get a lot of films made. Mm -hmm. To make a if film is really if, difficult yeah. because you see people like Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman and uh, you know, De Niro and who are like huge actors doing television, mm -hmm. Glenn Close. Like there's so many amazing yeah. actors. Kate Blanchett mm -hmm. is about to do a television show. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell returning to television mm -hmm. right now. So yeah. it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's you, no one can really turn their nose up at television anymore. You don't hear that stuff anymore. You no. don't hear mm -hmm. it because mm -hmm. everybody also knows that they're one film underperforming away from television. Yeah. And it's best to not badmouth it anymore. Yep. But also television has been speaking for itself in the types of stories that yeah. it's telling. And there's more time to develop character. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more challenging for actors because they get like eight to 10 to 20 episodes to develop this character. Yeah. To know when and to the, hold back, to yeah. know when to let out, to know when yeah. those arcs are supposed yeah. to happen. And I think limited series are just eight-hour features. Mm -hmm. The one I just shot is an eight-hour um, limited series, and I'm really excited for everyone to see it. I think it's yeah, it's important material. It's that's, very relevant. That's unbelievable. It comes out on Netflix, right? Yes. You did camping on did. HBO. The first yeah. season is out. Yeah. How was that? It was fun. The yeah. cast was incredible. See, it's a great cast. I love the cast members. Um, they were so generous and so nice and so great to work with and it was challenging because there's eight people outside all day long so doing the coverage on that and eight being actors in, yeah yeah and in full sun but all the actors were so lovely no divas mm -hmm. just really great people 
you when Sam tells you we're gonna go, I'm gonna go play Dungeons and Dragons for um, Liam's birthday or whatever mm-hmm. it was that they did the one off, and then it became a regular thing. Did you just think that was poker night? It was like, oh, okay, he's just gonna go play because you probably didn't know what the hell Dungeons and Dragons was, right? Well, I did know because I. Oh yeah, you got to fantasy and shit, anything, but you never played, I, right? No, because yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just. It, I don't know if that was ever a thing in my neighborhood. Right. If anybody you know, we knew, played yeah. outside in the woods. We did. You came home like, smelling like the earth. Yeah, I yeah. did. I really was really a adventurer. Like mm-hmm. I went into the sewers. I did crazy stuff. You were yeah. a ninja turtle. I was. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to really say. Yeah, don't but tell I us did what a lot did of. In the I sewers. did a lot of weird stuff down there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you did weird stuff. Well, my in parents the sewer? didn't know where I was. I would just like. I could have gotten hurt. Like no one would have yeah. found me. This is before cell phones. I mean, I was an idiot. Well, they don't work down there anyway. I was just being anyway. a kid. Yeah, that's true. I was an adventure seeker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when he so when he started playing D anD D, what what were you like? It's a it's basically poker night, right? It's like. Yeah, of course. I didn't. I thought it was a one-off. Yeah. Is that what it's called? A one-shot or a one-off. One-shot. Sorry. But yeah, that was a one-off because you yeah. just thought was, they were just going to play one time and yeah. then that would be it. Yeah, and then I think one time we hosted, and I think I made hors d'oeuvres or something. I don't know. Probably. I, yeah. Like, what do you guys want? Uh-huh. Um, so I'm just happy because Sam has found something that he's really passionate about with really good people. And mm. that's so rare to have a group of friends who love doing this, actually like each other, mm-hmm. and hang out off camera as yeah. well. That is so rare. I don't know anyone who has that. Yeah. What D&D has is very special. What Critical Role has is so special. Even I sometimes am envious about it. I'm like, oh, I don't have a regular thing I do every Thursday night and sometimes Friday and maybe Sunday afternoons <laughs> with a group of yeah. you know, eight friends. Yeah. Except work on set, but that's different. Yeah, it's you different. Know, it's, and it's a limited engagement it's very, ultimately. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's really special and I, I can appreciate that. And mm-hmm. it's something that I think it's so genuine too. Yeah. There, it's, there's, you can't fake it. Mm. You can't fake the camaraderie and the friendships and, and the game. It's just, it's magical. That's what's made it successful in my opinion. Yeah. It's not just the story or the game. It's really that element of it. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're tuning in to see the story, to see the game, to mm-hmm. see Matt's brilliant storytelling, but you're really I think people tune in for the friendship. I think they tune in because that connection that everyone has, it makes the stakes so high. Yes. If we just came on Thursdays and played together and that's the only time everybody really knew each other, Mm -hmm. if somebody's character were going to die, it'd be like, oh, that sucks. But when you're so close to each other, it's like, oh man, this is kind of a big deal, right? Yes, and I didn't even watch the first campaign, mm-hmm. but Sam was telling me he was recounting the ending. Yeah, I don't think I'm giving away anything. I think you're fine. Was. But when when um, Liam's character was mm-hmm. already yeah. deceased and Sam had the power to bring him back, but he couldn't because of the greater good, mm-hmm. and he started crying. I think I don't know. Yes, I was like you cried. Yes, it was like w- Sam the robot cried. <laughs> yes, really. Yeah. Um, I started tearing up. I was like, that is the most beautiful gesture you can offer to a friend. It was. But I got it. I yeah. got it because, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I love this kind of world. Yeah. I, even though I read, um, I don't perform. Right. I, I could see where it was headed and yeah. it was just really, really beautiful. Do you ever get jealous of Liam? Are you ever like, man, 
or do you know that you know he he maybe reached this parts of no. Sam that you no. don't know how to word no, it. No, no, no. No, there's no jealousy. Not at all. Isn't it amazing, though? What I told both of them when they were here, we obviously make, we have so much fun with that relationship and, and whatever else, but the that's rare. But that thing that they actually have, not just the jokes we make about mm -hmm. the bromance, but that friendship that they actually have is so rare. And oh, like, yeah. especially in this town. Oh, yeah. And for it to last as long as it's had, yeah. and like, that's... Yeah, well, we knew them in New York before yeah. we moved here, and, and it's lasted all these years. Yeah. The ups and downs and the trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. So they've been there for each other. It's funny. I often wonder if you're sitting in bed and you've got all your scripts and you're just like hard at work and your laptop and you've got all the shit and you have this super early day tomorrow. And then Sam walks out of the bathroom or the closet or wherever in a hot pink <laughs> outfit with... Like, does he tr does he show you the ridiculous outfits before we go to the live shows or doing that stuff? I open them up. I usually you open the I, mail and see. Well, it. if I'm home first or whatever, I, I'll open the packages because I take care of. It's mm -hmm. very traditional. I cook, I clean. Sam takes care of the finances. Um, he takes care of like managing the finances. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, 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 so right. it's very traditional in that respect. Yeah. Like I don't. I mean, However, you guys figure it whatever. out. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. So. So I'll, I'll open the boxes and and then my, literally like my daughter will be like, "Ooh, is that for me?" And it's like this like pink dragon outfit or like le um like sparkly red leg warmers uh -huh. or um uh, that that that's that one piece I don't even know green. What it was. You saw the cube thing, right? I did. Yeah. What did you think when I was like, you oh, saw that? that? And he was on stage in front of all those people. I, don't, I haven't seen it. But you had to have seen him in some pretty ridiculous outfits back in the day, though, yeah. too. Oh, like, so you're used to years. that. Yeah, so I'm used to it. So when it shows up, you're like, ah, oh, it's another care. dumb thing for care. whatever. You know what? I'm, I don't fall prey to that. You're okay being the sophisticated one. I you're like, to. keep wearing that stuff because it makes me look even classier. I don't care about that. It's not even about that. I'm like, Sam is his own thing. Yeah. He's his own species. It's true. It's like, true. It, it's amazing to me. But... It keeps it fresh. There's no one else that you could go like, oh yeah, that person's exactly like Sam. No. Outside of maybe, you know, everybody compares him to, a, they say he looks like a young Tim Curry. Do you think he looks like a young Tim Curry? And I can see part of it. Dressed up as it? Or? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, a little bit. Yeah. You know? It's such a character. But Sam has always been a performer his whole mm -hmm. life, and I think that's why I love him so much. He's unique, and he, he works hard, and he's very passionate about performing. And I think that's why we get along. We both have very strong personalities, very different. Mm -hmm. But we're very driven yeah. in our own careers. And I think that's how we remain successful, mm. is I don't really pay attention to what he does, and he just thinks about himself. <laughs> That is the formula to a happy marriage. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Good to yeah. know. Yeah. You guys have two beautiful children, mm -hmm. Keanu and I can't remember the, the other code name, the Terminator. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Have they started to show interest in anything that you think is going to stick? Or are they still in the phase where they're trying, you're seeing them experiment with a lot of different stuff are they starting to you know because both of you are yeah. so artistic and so mm -hmm. intelligent and i feel like those kids are going to be able to pick whatever they want oh i i knew from day one that my daughter was going to be an artist mm. 
she, the way she thinks is so outside the box. What do you mean? What does that smell like? Um, I think it smells like unicorns and a little bit of apple pie, but maybe some red in there. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. She, the way she thinks is so incredible. I learn something from her every day. Mm. So that's what I mean when she thinks outside the box. Yeah. She, her answers are so poetic. You know, you know, you're a poet. Yeah. And just so abstract. Sometimes I think it's does she have like synesthesia or something? Like wh what? It's amazing. Right. But I really want to foster that. Mm. And I'm not afraid to let her make mistakes. I want her to try different things. I'm never gonna force her into anything, but I will help her with her art. Right. And so like I if you when you see our house again, oof. I have this huge art station. I, I I have it stocked with everything you can imagine. Glitter, pipe cleaner, construction paper, scissors. I'm like, my daughter's been cutting since she was two. She, yeah, she's fine. I don't care. Yeah, she's yeah, like yeah. so dexterous. I'm like, how did, what? Like she <laughs> yeah. crawled when she was like, I don't know, six months. Like insanely like yeah. gifted. Right. So she, yeah, she can hold a pencil really well. Like beyond what most four-year-olds can mm -hmm. do. And and I, I just want to really foster that gift and mm. nurture her 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 craft, mm. you know, the way she thinks and the way she draws, and it's incredible. I yeah. learn something new every day. My other child, Keanu, yeah. Keanu, besides being blessed with the this incredible head of hair, hair, yeah, he is very physically gifted. Mm -hmm. And he skateboards. He's a skateboarder, a tennis player. He's incredible at martial arts. Uh, and he's mom. yes, and he also is on the gymnastics team. It's crazy. So That's yeah, as physical as you he's could so, be, and, and he's a crazy climber. Uh -huh. He can he can scale anything. Yeah. And so when we have playdates and we have this beautiful avocado tree in the backyard, he'll climb to the top, and parents are like, <gasps> "Really? Yeah." I'm like, "Oh, he's fine. He's fine. He's yeah." Fine. I have so much confidence in his his climbing. I really don't want him to see free solo. You know that documentary. I'm about like, the parkour not, people? No, that's the oh. that's the free climber. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're. I yeah. will never let him watch that because he'll just I, oh he'll go do it. I want to yeah. do that. Well, the other day, for I was asking him, you know, for your next birthday, you're going to be seven, and that free running gym is open to seven year olds. Mm. Do you want to have your birthday party there? Because there's like a parkour free running gym. Yeah. Uh, and I really want to encourage it because that's what he likes. Yeah. And I think you know maybe parents might be like, whoa. That's crazy to encourage that, but I think if he has a talent, I want to nurture it. Mm. So I think I'm really lucky in that Sam and I agree on that parenting philosophy. Yes. That we want to let our kids kind of decide for themselves. We will expose them to mm -hmm. many different things, but we recognize the gifts and talents that they have and we want to nurture it. And that goes back to how you feel about younger filmmakers too. And yeah. just sort of, yeah, it seems to be a thread yeah. there. Yeah. I'm always a mama, mama bear. Even before I had kids. It's because you're so good. On set. I like to take care of people. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Yeah. Are you happy Cheers. you did it or are you still feeling like, yeah, this isn't this So you're asking me if I'm happy? I'm checking in with you You're to checking, make. I'm checking you know in on your level of happiness. I'm very happy. Good. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Thank you. These are pretty good, man. They're good. I might actually. If I didn't have to drive home, I would finish this right now. You don't have to drive home. You can just stay here. Do you want to watch <laughs> Critical Role later from oh, the? Oh no, uh, God no. You would have no idea. Did you think though when the second campaign started, were you like, okay, I don't have to catch up on this whole thing, but it's also too, 
you can't you can't watch four hours a week. You have no time. No time. Yeah. But then if they get stacked up, then it just becomes impossible. So I guess I answered yeah. my question. Yeah, I mean Even I haven't seen a single tried. episode yet. You, but you know, like you you've seen parts. I know the of gist it. of it. You know the gist of it. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. Did he come home the night that Molly, that Taliesin's previous character passed, he, that he died? Did he come home and like tell you what happened, or was it like you mean the at next like day? one in the morning? Yeah, because that was a late one. This last when Thursday, I'm asleep, this last Thursday was the longest one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm usually asleep by the time he gets home, and then if I have an early call time, I'm up at like five thirty. So, I'm you know, two ships passing in the night. Does he tell you about what happened, or does no. he know like it's? We don't it's, talk about it. You don't talk about it. Mm -mm. And I think, like I said, I think that's. The success. It is. To it our is. marriage. It is. What are you going to tell him about this? You should, when he's like, how'd it go today? You know, what'd you say? You should just be like, it was great. Big period. <laughs> Big period. Yes. Cheers. We end episode. Big period. <laughs> Big period. It's a big period piece. Big period piece. I would love to shoot a period piece, by the way. Let's make a Western. Yeah. Or like, and what period would you shoot if you could shoot a period mm. piece? I immediately go to Western, but what would you The Renaissance. Do? Ooh. You go to the Ren Fair. Mm. Or you went. I saw you I at Ren Fair with the kids. Yeah, yeah. He takes the kids. Yeah, but I, it's it was never my thing. Yeah. And I was very like, oh my God. Uh -huh. What? Ren Fair? Mm -hmm. Even though I'm in that world. Yeah. Oh, Fantasy novels. But this is very different. Reading a book mm -hmm. is very different from acting. And I'm not yeah. a performer yeah. anymore. People you know, really get into it there. So yeah. So I was really like hesitant. But we brought the kids. We didn't dress up, mm -hmm. and was it fun? I had the best time. It's fun, right? The best time because I did. You drink the oubliette? No, I don't think I drank anything because we had the kids. Uh, oh, I yeah, was driving, shit, but yeah. like I always forget about I, that. I used to do archery when I was younger, mm -hmm. and so I did that, and I did knife throwing. I was like, yeah, this is like totally up my alley. Did you hit the thing? Uh, I don't. I hit the no, thing. No, I, I let my son do that. I bet it was like was when great. I hit it. He's really strong. The hammer just flies backwards. <laughs> You're like, like well, <laughs> Travis did it, and then it, like well, two he years breaks ago, the hammer, right? yeah, back to Travis goes, I'm gonna do it, and then you do it. I go, no, no, I'll go first, and then they'll be like, ha ha, and then you do it. I'm like, yeah, we can end on a celebration. If you go first, and then I go, we end on sadness. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's gonna be funnier. And Travis says it, it's like Molnir, it just like yeah, destroys yeah, yeah. the universe. Yeah, yeah, Renfair, so fun. So fun. All right, that's All right. it. Thank you. Thank you. My thanks to Quee and Tran for joining me, and my thanks to you, as always, for listening. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or review if you'd like. Until next time, don't forget to love each other.